Hey, what is going on, everybody? And welcome back to the College Info Geek Podcast, the internet's best resource for getting ahead as a student, but a terrible resource for learning how to download your consciousness into a potato. Really bad resource for that. Uh, that's actually not in any of the planned remaining, Mm-mm. you know, 10 or 11. Now, we, 20, could, well, we could swap. 10 or 11. Oh, man, we're getting close. We could swap. Um, it's the final countdown, Martin. We could swap. So, yeah, what do we have on the docket here? How to Tame Llamas. We could swap that one for Potato Consciousness. I'm cool with that. I've seen it in a video game once. Anyway, my name's Thomas Frank. I'm here, as always, with my good friend Martin Bamey. And today, we're talking about how to be less lonely. Though this is, I feel like this is an episode where we're going to sort of tackle what is likely to happen in the far future for many people. Yeah. And I think there's going to be some things that are applicable to right now as well. Yeah, I think I think that some of it will apply to right now, especially depending on the age of whoever's listening. A, a lot of it would apply to my age after school, but True. still relatively young, hopefully. Yeah. Well, you, you sent me this um, harrowing set of graphs. And uh, so I guess the, the source is American Time Use Survey. I'm not sure who ran that. But apparently this was just from Twitter. Uh, it's a series of six different graphs that sort of track the time you spend per day with different people in your life as you go through the stages of your life. Uh, and I didn't like this graph, Martin. I didn't like it either. I didn't like this graph. So this is going to be one of those episodes where you're probably going to want to go check the show notes so you can see what we're talking about. And we're going to try to describe it. So if you're driving or if you're fighting ninjas right now or doing whatever it is that you do when you can't look at your phone or your computer, that's fine. But if you want to follow along at home, then pause the DVD right now until you get the DVD <laughs> pause logo. It's bouncing all over the place. Yeah. And wait for it to hit the corner. This is this is on DVD now. Yes. Once it hits the corner, that unlocks the secret Konami code and you get the show notes. Or you can just go to cigpodcast.com slash 289 and we'll have the... Uh, tweet embedded or the graph embedded or something something there something to that effect probably both just in case the tweet disappears someday yeah but so you sent me this series of six graphs so the the relationships it looks like are uh, friends parents siblings and family and that's one group parents siblings family co-workers children of your own your partner and then alone yeah and i didn't like this because all right so friends here um says like you're spending more than two hours a day with your friends when you're a kid. And then that sharply declines. Basically right after you would graduate college. Yeah. And what is this like a pitiful like 15 minutes a day average, maybe half an hour a day average. Yeah, maybe. So as you get older, at least according to this survey, (laughs) it just just stays there. Yeah. According to the survey, it's like after college, you basically spend like half an hour a day on average with friends forever. Parents, siblings, and family, uh, it's a similar graph, except for it starts at nearly all of your time at the beginning of your life, unlike friends, which makes sense. Yeah. Unless you're like, you know, like me, my parents sent me out to forage for food when I was about three months old. That would change the graph. <clears throat> you know, they had Well, it wouldn't change the graph. So you'd be an outlier. You send an infant out into the woods and you don't let it come back into the house until it's killed a bear. I killed two. So. How many older siblings did you almost have? <laughs> 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 anyway, another sharp decline. Uh, the interesting thing here is 
according to the survey, assuming that the um, the numbers are the same, and I believe they are, the scale of the graphs, it looks like the top line is always yeah. four hours. According to the survey, it looks like people are actually spending more time with parents, siblings, and family as they grow older than with friends. And I do see a little bit, it seems like a little bit of a resurgence of time in middle age. And I would imagine that that would be due to caring for parents. Yeah. And possibly just because once you're out of school, when you're spending almost no time with friends, you'll, they'll move to different parts of the country to get different jobs. Mm -hmm. And I think if eventually, if you kind of stop maintaining all your friendships, you default back to family a little bit. Yeah. Uh, We also have coworkers. So this is a, uh, a graph that starts from basically nothing until you start your career, at which point you're spending you know, more than two, three, four hours a day with them. Uh, but then there's this sharp decline near the end of life, which would indicate retirement. Uh, we have children. This looks quite similar to the coworker graph, except for it's, um, it's a little it smaller. kind of peaks around 40. And you know, you're not spending a whole lot of time with your kids when you're 20. Unless yeah. you're one of those people who have kids at 20. Uh, and then that kind of goes way down once they start their own lives and get busy. A partner, you spend a lot of time with your partner, and it seems to get even bigger when you get older, which I think that would make sense given retirement. You're no <clears> longer working. You probably spend more time with your partner if you're still with them. Yeah, this one's not that terrifying until the last part. Yeah, this where is. Where the line naturally goes down yeah. as it must. I mean, it's some. It's someday. Must. At some point, the line would go down. That's seeing it visually okay. is just like this is real. You should probably keep it in mind. <laughs> Anna and I will just we'll, we'll do like ninety. We're like, all right, Elon Musk needs volunteers to go to Mars. We're going. Okay. And then we'll get hit by an asteroid or something. That's fine. That's that's how it's gonna end. <laughs> asteroid. <laughs> I love I love asteroids. Okay, I don't like this one though. The last graph, alone. It's like four hours a day when you're 20, when you're 40. And then it just slowly starts to creep up from there until it's like most of your time in your old age is just by yourself. Yeah, it's it goes so much higher that they had to add two extra lines of measurement to the graph compared to every single other selection. Yeah. So I don't <clears> like <throat> that part. I don't like the idea of, and maybe some people do, but I don't like the idea of statistics telling me that I'm likely to become more and more lonely as time goes on, especially once I hit the twilight years of my life. I would not like to spend those yeah. alone. Yeah, I don't, know I, about I don't you. like the feeling of inevitability that a graph like this initially gives yeah. until you decide to do something about it, which mm-hmm. is you know, why this episode exists, because it made yeah. me want to do something about it. Yeah. Yeah, and I feel like it's not enough to just be like, all right, when I'm 80 years old, I will start being social. So I buck the trend. <laughs> <laughs> That'll show them. Because those graphs have told me, you know, I got time with my partner. I've got time with coworkers until I'm like I'll 80 just, years I'll old. I'll just ignore this and until then. then and then finally I'll get around to it. Yeah. And I mean, like, let's be, <clears throat> let's be optimistic here. Maybe we solve, we solve climate change. Maybe we solve aging. Maybe we all upload our consciousnesses to computers. Maybe we're going to be living longer than 80 by the time that you and I are 80. I, I want to be 109. Now, I would imagine that if we actually, like, it's it's more of a doomsday scenario and, like, everything does kind of go to hell. 
it's going to be like apocalypse and we're going to have this to graph band, may not matter we're going to have to band point. into militant groups of survivors in which case we'll be with people all the time Very so social. maybe from like a loneliness perspective like a walking dead style apocalypse scenario is actually preferable you know i could see that and then the relationships you have with people at that time they're going to feel so much more important there will be no more distractions you're not going to be like did i do the laundry today yeah all of those will be cast aside for what is truly essential and that's really essentialism in in a nutshell true wait for the end times (laughs) yeah which then you can focus on what's really people on twitter are are fast approaching or read any sci-fi novels Uh, may Um, they be a little slower than expected do you ever think about like doomsday preppers uh i I don't like. I don't know like the specific like anybody in specific. I don't know just, anybody. Just like the idea. I don't know any, and I'm just like, oh yeah, Bob. Like okay, so here's here's my thinking on uh, the specific type of doomsday prepper who wants to be like solitary and just like builds a bunker. That never sounds fun to me. I don't think I want. Oh, to it last doesn't sound fun either. I mean, it's like longer. it's very I am legend, but I feel like if if it's if it's like a doomsday scenario where like a fair amount of people are still around, then it's going to be very walking dead where there's going to be like some strong leaders who emerge and whether by hook or crook, they're going to uh, form new societies where they roll with an iron fist. And I feel like anybody who's trying to go it alone is just going to have to hope they don't get found. Yeah, that's probably true. Like, don't install a you doorbell. Can, yeah, you can You're prep a gonna... lot, but I don't think you can prep to deal with like a hostile force of 20 or 30 people coming to raid your bunker. So I don't know, man. Yeah, yeah groups are probably better. All I'm saying is I have to become the governor. <clears throat> I don't want to become the governor, but I'm going to become like, I don't know, the president or something. Okay. The president of like new America. That's fine. Yeah. Anyway. How do we start to build the habit of being more social so we have those habits in place and maybe have support networks in place that will outlast, um, trying to find the way to word this that isn't like super sad, but like outlast the typical relationships that a typical lifetime has. I guess this episode is just going to be dwelling on things that happen near the end of life so it may end up being sad anyway. I don't know. Yeah, well, if if it's a thought that can be addressed right now to make it better, then one mustn't simply avoid the sadness for now. That's true. Something make, make it actionable and then move on. Something I think about ever since you and I read Good to Great and did the whole episode on Good to Great, one of the principles in that book was that great leaders, they turn over rocks and look at all the squiggly stuff underneath, <clears throat> which is a metaphor for not ignoring the potential problems in your business yeah and i apply that to life so you know some people would be afraid to look at their bank account because they aren't going to like what they see there uh the great leader would not be afraid to look at it they would look at it anyway and if the news is bad they deal with it yeah and if you don't want to think about it like deal with it first then you can ignore it Mm -hmm. get get something in place and then like like, maybe to some people, this graph doesn't look too terrible because you've got your partner there for most of it, yeah. if you have one, and you, you lose contact with friends, family, and children easily. Mm-hmm. But um, that didn't. that's not enough for me because everything, the thing that stands out to me most from 
Kurt Vonnegut's graduation speeches that that he gave in the in the book. If this isn't nice, what is? Just a collection of the speeches. But he's just talking about how we're really lonely because we don't have enough friends and relatives. We're supposed to be in large communities. That's what we're used to. Mm-hmm. And then eventually we come up with this idea that one person, our chosen partner or whatever, can be a whole society. And that's just, yeah. that just isn't going to work. That's not enough for, like, um, Ashley and I can't possibly give every single part of human interaction to each other. Yeah. We don't have the, the right experiences. So Vonnegut recommended that everybody joins all sorts of organizations, no matter how ridiculous, simply to get more people in their lives. And it doesn't even matter much if all the other members are morons. Quantities <laughs> are, are more important. And I just that part, all that part of the the speeches that stood out to me. I like. Mm. I won't forget that, just because because he's also referencing. That's why he thinks a lot of marriages don't work because we try to force the pressures of an entire human society onto one person. Yeah, and and I feel like uh, even if you don't do it outwardly, like your partner may begin to feel it, and I mean you may begin to feel it as well. Yeah, it can, it can creep up on you over time. You just, and I don't even think it's like a conscious thing. Like, ah, uh, you know what? I have my wife now. I'm not gonna talk to anybody. Like, they're they're the person. You, know, you don't. I don't think anybody consciously decides that. Um, but it it's another thing that just happens through habit and routine. Yeah, you all go to work. You come home. There's dishes to do. There's stuff to clean up. There's you're tired. You end up just spending the time with one person, and then the weekend comes around and like we've talked about in many other episodes, um, you know, nobody calls to invite you because everyone is hoping that someone else in their life will be that person who's active and plans things. And <laughs> yeah. when everyone else is hoping that someone else will do that, uh, no one does it. So we fall into these default patterns where we have fewer and fewer and fewer people in our life, often culminating in just one. Yeah. So anyway, I I personally find it obvious that I want to be an outlier on this graph, and hopefully, yes. uh, I mean, I guess if you don't want to be an outlier, feel free to listen anyway, and then maybe you'll change your mind. But <laughs> I could just play video games, yeah. man. When I'm retired. I'm going to go through this episode assuming that most people want to be an outlier. Yeah, and I, I think it's important to understand that we're talking about averages here, so you might just luck into being an outlier without even trying. Oh, that's always true. But that's a you thing. Like, realize there, there's how many people listening to this podcast, like 20,000 to 30,000. So without some action, the the average is going to be the average, right? Yeah. Assuming that this study actually used a, yeah, I think a the best way fair representative assume... sample and had a good sample size, then, you know, in aggregate, the audience of this podcast listening can assume that on average, they will fall along the same lines. Yeah, and like the lines are pretty intuitive like looking at them they clearly follow the patterns i already assumed about life yeah and just never laid out mm-hmm. in such a such a real way yeah but i want to focus on now yeah so because let's the do habits cool we build stuff now, that they propagate it. into our our later years uh so i mean immediately the first thing that came to my mind um and this is something that would easily apply to um you know being older being retired is that you can volunteer. Oh yeah, yeah. That's a like that's a great whatever idea. age you are. If you have time, 
and you're like, <clears throat> oh, well, people don't want to hang out with me. People don't want to be friends with me. People want you to volunteer. And I mean, you have experience with it. I have experience with it. And I, I think love like, that From both of our experiences, you show up and you, you show up to help and do a job, not necessarily to make friends. And it's not like the people who are also working there are going to be like instant friends with you because you showed up. But over time, it often happens anyway, or at least you build better relationships with those people. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Volunteering was one of the best decisions I made that year. Mm -hmm. I think it was much more fulfilling than I thought it would be. Mm. And you were, so you were teaching English to uh, refugees, right? Yeah. Okay. And in my case, I've like run sound at churches. I've gone in like winterized homes. (laughs) One time actually in college. So, you know, I'm just going to get into this. Uh, One time in college, I felt like, I felt like my life was empty for a while. So, uh, and I'm not a particularly religious person anymore, but in college, having grown up very religious and then kind of becoming like a little more casual about in high school, I got to a point where I felt very lonely and I thought the way I will solve this is by going all in and joining everything at the church. So I volunteered for like everything I could think of, including, and this was like the most boring thing, but just going around town cleaning apartments at like low income housing. And because I was doing it with other people who were also really positive and who were there because they wanted to help and they had a good mindset, it was actually fun. Hmm. Like cleaning apartments isn't, isn't fun on its own. Like I'm not going to choose to go dust blinds in like a musty apartment on a Saturday because that in itself is fun. But the fact that I was going to do something helpful with a group of people who are all positive, had the right mindset, and then we all go out afterwards, like that was actually fun. That was fulfilling. That actually sounds like a lot of, a lot of jobs that I've, uh, my family members have had that friends have had where it's like, I hate this job, but I love the people. It's always the team is like, I'll feel bad leaving those people, Yeah, but not the work itself. It doesn't matter. So volunteering automatically gets you into a position. You don't need to be like, Mm -hmm. I'm hoping to get hired here because I'm really lonely, which is not necessarily a great resume line. Probably not. But but the volunteer positions won't won't matter, and they'll help you feel useful, which is very valuable. And I think that, uh, you know, banding together with a common mission is actually... I wouldn't say it's one of the necessary ingredients for forming good bonds with people, but it's a very powerful one. Yeah. And when, when it's not there, I think it's, it's harder to form those bonds because everyone's got their business. Right. And if you're just like, well, I need to build a relationship with this person just, just out of pure friendship. Like you might be able to, but there's, there's nothing kind of like pulling you together throughout any kind of obligation. So it requires, good planning and self-discipline on both parties' parts. Yeah, shared goals and and, uh, activities like that, even if they're not fun. Mm -hmm. Probably the only thing I can think of that's just as powerful, if not more, at pulling people together is mutual hatred. But that one's really unhealthy, (laughs) and I wouldn't lean (laughs) on that to solve my loneliness problems. Yeah, it's true. Let's not join People really jump together when they don't like the same thing, but it's not... Volunteering is a much better way. Yeah, I don't want to join the clowns with tall hats suck club. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's going to become a bad idea. 
there was somebody who's just they, they used that like that nobody meme format in the comments of that podcast where you brought up the clowns with tall hats. They're just like nobody, absolutely nobody. Martin, clowns with tall hats. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know of a better example that wouldn't like get too real immediately. Yeah, yeah. So insert insert group that you personally disagree with here. I tried to find <laughs> yeah. I tried to I tried to find a group that no one has ever even considered in <laughs> Clowns with tall hats. They're representative of everything you hate. Even if, <laughs> even if the next person hates something completely different, we can all agree. Clowns with tall hats, they got to go. Yeah, I feel like even using an example and explicitly saying I don't agree with this, if it's an example somebody agrees with, might have an effect I didn't care for. So, Well, you know what? There was somebody in the audience I take it who out on the clown clowns. who loved tall hats. I take it hats. out on the clowns. You broke his heart. <laughs> you broke his heart. I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, so volunteering is a big one for me. And th- I mean, there's a lot of ways you can do it. Um, you know, I think like the biggest thing is there are <clears throat> going to be local organizations that you can just get involved in. And some of the obvious ones that you would probably think they're for my grandpa, they might be something you could do. Like you could join Rotary Club or you could even just talk to somebody who's in Rotary because anybody who's... What is that? <laughs> I don't know specifically to accentuate what Rotary the grandpa is comment, because I, guess. I have never been in Rotary. I don't know, like Anna's, a Rotary phone? Anna's uncle like is in Rotary. Old phones. So let me give you my perception of Rotary as somebody who has never been in it and who has never actually Googled what exactly they, they do or what it is. Googling it didn't help me, so I'll go off your definition. But basically, Rotary, in my perception, seems like a sort of informal group of people within like a local city and they just sort of meet and they do projects and they throw like low key parties sometimes. And I think they somehow like sometimes give out awards. The award part I'm taking from the movie, catch me if you can, because Leonardo DiCaprio's character, his dad gets an award from the Rotary Society in the beginning of the movie. And then he has that great quote, two mice fall in a bucket of milk, one immediately drowns because he gave up. The other one churned that milk into cream and climbed out. As of this day, I am that second mouse. Just like, it's a pretty good quote. Good old, nothing like a butter metaphor. I've never... <laughs> good butter metaphor. <laughs> butter for. Never thought of that before. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, that, that's something. Um, I mean, if you are part of a religious organization, there's tons of volunteer organ- or opportunities that come through there. But yeah. I mean, Rotary immediately came to mind because the people in Rotary are typically pretty involved in local community stuff. So they're at least going to know what's going on. Yeah. And helping out your local community is one of the most effective ways mm-hmm. that you can do something that's good anyway. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, I think like, you know, Rotary and then when I was growing up, my my grandparents went to, I don't think it was, or it may have been, it may have been associated with Rotary. It was called the Moose Lodge. And when I was a little kid, we'd go there for breakfast on Sunday mornings. But I think it was like, it was just like the place where people in the local community could go hang out and there was events kind of coordinated through groups <clears throat> that met there and stuff like that. Um, the other ones coming to mind is like not volunteering, but uh, going to like local meetups for board games, for running groups, anything on meetup.com. There's yeah. All kinds of opportunities out there to meet other people and do things that you all have a common interest in. Yeah. And, and I think if you're going to go out and join a bunch of communities, um, at least I would consider it maybe a good idea to make sure you have a mix of different niche types. Mm. So a lot of communities might be based on identity or belief. 
that's mm. that could be useful. There could yep. be a group specifically for women, or if I joined a group for people with OCD or mental illnesses or something, that could be useful, or political or religious groups. But then if you take that and you only go to that, the downside could be that it reinforces an echo chamber or inhibits personal growth. So if you balance those kind of things that sort of validate you and help you feel more closely connected on, on a personal level with the activity or location-based, like we're just going to go rock climbing and I have no hmm. idea who's going to be there and we maybe don't have anything in common, but we're going to rock climb. Yeah. Like I think balancing the different needs of just a shared activity and then like shared beliefs or life experiences mm-hmm. to um, basically I think that, that a good way to be social is just to end up having as many different types of connections as possible as well. Yeah. So, uh, so this is kind of like a, a, a big transition. And if I were writing a bullet list for this episode, I wouldn't put this here, but it made me, you, you saying rock climbing made me think of this. If you want to have more serendipitous meetings with people who might share interests with you, then wear your headphones less. Yeah. Yeah. This is a note to myself more than anything. Yeah. But my friend Taylor, one of my best friends now, we met because he randomly started talking to me at the climbing gym. And it was on a day where I wasn't wearing my headphones. Yeah. I just came off a route and I was sitting on the chair and he's like, Hey, how, how, how hard is that route? And I'm like, Oh, it's pretty hard. But if I was wearing my earbuds, I don't think he would have talked to me because wearing earbuds sends a message. It's like an implicit, I am not available to talk right now message. Yeah, I, I feel like, and that, that's obviously a very useful message at time, but I feel like there's sort of this societal thing right now, maybe that goes along with our uh, propensity to overwork ourselves. And it's supposed to be like, I'm busy. No one talked to me. Leave me alone. Mm-hmm. I've got stuff to do. But at all times, because we yeah. don't ever disconnect from that work, so then, yeah, we'll never be available for any sort of social thing, and we'll just yeah. be kind of reacting to people as if they're explicitly trying to steal our work time away, when really they're probably <laughs> just trying to connect with humans. Yeah, and you know what? We're probably going to have more work time than we ever really needed. Yeah. So if someone steals some work like, time from me, it's like it's you, people are proud to be overworking and way too busy, mm-hmm. and and not, and I feel like that maybe adds to that. It's just like, I, how dare you take the source of my pride? I am a busy person. Yeah. You know, I feel like when people make assumptions about other people, especially people they don't know super well. <clears throat> We have like this innate belief that the other person has a strong position on everything. And I think in reality, and I'm not, I'm not talking about like their principles. I'm talking about things like, do I want to be talked to right now or not? Or would I be willing to make this concession to you or not? I think we, we're always like, well, that per- they're not going to want to talk to me. And that's a hard, firm thing. They don't want to talk to me. Yeah. I think in reality... We are subconsciously on the fence about these things. So I was thinking about this the other day. My friend Andrew, who runs the Listen Money Matters podcast, and he now runs it full-time as his own business. Uh, But when I was doing the podcast with him, he was still working a day job. And he wanted more time to work on Listen Money Matters. So what he asked his boss to do is let him work from home. And the boss's initial answer was, no, no. We like 
the community that we have here, we, we think the in-office you know, atmosphere we've built is useful, <clears throat> so we're going to deny this. And what he said is, well, he really wanted to do it. So he said, boss, give me a chance. Give me one day a week working at home, and I will prove to you that I'll get more done than I ever did here. You won't regret it. And the boss said, okay, we'll try it. Hmm. So that in, in itself, that one little example illustrated to me that people are willing to be persuaded. They may have an initial position, but they may not feel so strongly about that initial position that a simple one follow-up line could shift it entirely. Yeah. You can't work from home to, okay, you make a good point. Yeah, sure. So... It's like you're trying to get a compromise here. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I'll, I've said this to Ashley before when we're trying to decide what we want to do, like do where do we want to eat? Where do we want to do anything? And she'll she'll give me an answer that I know is mostly because she's already filtered it through what I want. I'm like, well, that that's not how compromise works. You have started <laughs> from a compromised position. We both need to start at our extremes and then meet in the middle. Don't meet me in the middle first. I want you to get stuff that's closer to what you wanted initially. Mm-hmm. So in this case, if you're just assuming that they're never going to talk and that's it, you're starting from a, a compromised position. You're not giving yeah. yourself a chance. Mm-hmm. So for me, there were two key realizations there. One, if you're the person who wants the thing, like you're the person who wants to work from home, you may need to work a little bit. Now... I want to preface the or not preface. <laughs> I want to put a caveat on this. This is probably important, okay? Because this is this is a an insight that can be taken way too far and uh, can become toxic. Yeah, this does not always apply. Yeah, this does not always apply. Uh, I think there is a a very real cultural narrative, especially before, say, like. 10 years ago there's a very real pervading cultural narrative that uh you know if you want someone to go out with you you just have to be persistent until you eventually win them over oh no i think this is a a cultural narrative that is communicated more to men than to women there are a lot of those movies where it's like the 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 weird dude never gives up and eventually Mm -hmm. he wins the heart of whomever through sheer annoyance yeah that's not good in real life (laughs) this this leads to innate beliefs that um that women are prizes to be won with enough persistence and that is absolutely not what i'm trying to communicate here if somebody rebuffs your romantic advances you should back off yeah, that, that one doesn't apply. Demonstrated that they are not interested. We're talking about acquaintances and rock mean, climbing. <laughs> on the other hand, this doesn't mean that you should never ask. Like, go. Don't be weird. Don't be creepy. But say hi. Maybe <laughs> ask someone on a date. That's fine. If someone tells you that's not fine, then they are way going overboard. But if they say no, then take the hint. Because it's not a hint. It's clear communication. They said no. Yeah. All that aside. Sometimes you may need to work to persuade someone to see your point of view, such as, I want to work from home. No, give me a chance. I will prove you, okay? 
Yeah, this applies in, in, in many case, other situations. You're not harassing your boss. It, it you're just in... making a stronger case. And again, like if you were to take this too far and you were to keep asking, maybe they're going to fire you eventually or get angry. Yeah, but... there, there are different limits for each kind of social thing. It's just exactly. the romantic limits are very soon. You should immediately respond. Well, there's a big question here, right? Like, are you going to make your boss feel personally uncomfortable and possibly unsafe with your continued advances? Probably not. You <laughs> if, may annoy if you them, are, that's very strange. But you are not in the and position don't. of power in that in that uh, in that conversation. Yeah. Know? But you know, if you're asking a girl out and she says no politely or politely, and you keep asking, now she feels uncomfortable. She might feel unsafe. That's a totally well, different yeah, thing. Well, yeah, because they don't know if you're going to be a weirdo. Your boss knows you and probably knows you're not about to like murder them. Yeah, for to work from Pro- home. Probably not. <laughs> so just keep in mind that 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 sort of typically compromising you your boss, you the compromise advice. To work from home, you do get a new home and you do get to work from it, but that work that's, usually involves a mop. Yeah, it's not it's not quite the same. Uh, so anyway, yeah, otherwise the, the compromising second, thing works well. <laughs> so that was the first insight, right? Like sometimes you yeah. may need to work a little bit to persuade people. The other insight, though, is from the opposite point of view. If you want to build new relationships, then you need to ask yourself, am I outwardly projecting implicit communication I don't want to be projecting? Such as, I have my earphones in, therefore I'm unapproachable. Because you may be perpetuating that assumption in other people's minds that you are of a firm constitution that you don't want to talk to other people. I'm here Mm -hmm. to do my own thing. Now, if you are, plug the headphones in. Sometimes I go to the gym, especially when I'm lifting and I don't want to be talked to. I'm just there to lift. I'm listening to my death metal. I'm doing my stuff and I got to go. But a lot of times when I go climbing, like I'm there to get a workout, but I'm also there to have fun. And it would be cool if I talked to people. So yeah, if you want somebody to be able to approach you. Mm -hmm. So I've been making an effort to be like, nope, just take the headphones out as much as I love music because music is like one of the key ingredients in my life and what equates to a happy Thomas, I put the headphones away. Yeah. And I just climb. And, you know, it doesn't always result in somebody striking up a conversation with me. And if I really want to be social, maybe I should be the one to strike up the conversation with other people. Yeah. But I'm at least not outwardly communicating, I am unavailable to talk to. Yeah. And like in that, like in that, you don't want to be sort of implicitly saying no. But you also probably shouldn't explicitly say no to too many things to mm. maybe your friends. Mm-hmm. Um, this doesn't mean you should go to everything. Saying no and valuing your time is important. But if you become the person known for saying no, you stop getting invited. And your yeah. time is important, but so are the relationships you choose to cultivate, I would imagine. I mean, I guess if you don't care, go ahead. But eventually people will stop inviting you because like the headphones, they will just assume they never want to do things on a Thursday. I'm not even going to bother. And maybe... You would love it. And then you're going to feel left out. Even if they're your friends and they care about you, they've just assumed you would say no. They thought they'd be wasting your time. Yeah. But you're going to feel like they didn't want to invite you. Mm -hmm. And being busy or tired are often excuses for missing sort of events like this. Yeah. That's always – the graph of busy and tired is the entire graph is all of the hours of the day basically based on activity. We're always doing something. If you accept that you are going to be activity-wise busy tomorrow and you embrace a little bit of free time anyway by uh, being casual and hanging out with your friends because you're going to be busy anyway, you might feel free. 
the activity maybe won't change, but I don't think your level of active busyness will change all that much for most of life. Yeah, not really. But whether you feel free depends on whether you accept that instead of thinking, if I just work 24 hours today, tomorrow I'll finally have nothing to do. It's not going to happen. Which is kind of how my brain likes to operate. Yeah, it's, <laughs> I, I mean, I, I tend to have an all or nothing kind of thing. I have to mm-hmm. fight it, but it doesn't work. Tomorrow's not going to be any more free than today. So if yeah. I can't find free time today for friends, I should assume that all of next week I'm also not going to. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I often find that the uh, like sometimes the quiet night by myself is really needed, but a lot yeah. of times I think it is the the desire to have it is brought about through just mental like laziness. Like I don't want to go out and deal with all the logistics involved and in going to hang out with friends, so I just want to stay inside. But then. My actual experience of staying home and doing my own thing is not that great. Yeah. It, I was anticipating that it would be greater than it actually was. Like, sometimes it's cool. And then the reverse, if you're anticipating so much friction, but once you got to the place where you were with friends, probably, mm-hmm. within minutes, you'd probably be like, okay, this was fine. I'm yeah. glad I came. But it's so easy to be just, it's so scary. I can't do it. Mm-hmm. Maybe uh, this is an, yet another justification for keeping a journal. Because mm. sometimes we have to have an explicit reminder of, no, this is worth it. It's worth going through this inconvenience because I really did have a good time here. Because, <clears throat> uh, I mean, I feel it. Like, I'm an introvert, and when it comes to going out and uh, engaging in plans with other people, my brain's like, ugh, I don't want to figure out how to get there, get in my car, put all the stuff away, park, pay for parking. Ugh, it's such a hassle. I have to shower. That's, I have to put on pants. You don't have to. You're just going to have consequences. That's true. I don't have to do anything. There are just consequences. That's all. There are, can I deal with those consequences? Just accept them. That's a, that's a good idea. If you write down like, God, I don't want to go. And then later on, you're, this was great. That's yep. the complete opposite. And yet it seems very likely to be something that I would experience. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I have a specific memory where all of our friends invited us out to a nightclub once and you really didn't want to go. Oh, I didn't want to go at all. That's and not even my vibe in the slightest. It really isn't. And like, I don't like going to nightclubs very often, but I specifically remember that you had fun. Was this the 80s one? It was the 80s one. Yeah, that's because I dressed up like the, the, the bad boy from the breakfast club and then I did the stupid breakfast club dance moves and it was really dumb. See, it was dumb, but that's and it fun. Was, it was, but I probably wouldn't do it again, but I just had to embrace what it was mm-hmm. in the moment. It yep. wasn't my ideal moment, but I can go 20% stuck in this moment mad, or I can mm-hmm. just deal with it and go 100 on something that's kind of dumb. It's still better. I think that's another that's another kind of key to maintaining a long-term social life is giving up the notion that it must always be your specific yeah. vibe. You have to compromise sometimes. Yeah, there's, like, there's always compromise involved in, in social situations. Even if it's somebody who's like into the same thing you're into, there's going to be some mismatch. Like maybe they want to say like I'm playing magic with somebody. Maybe they want to play one more game than I want to play. You know? Maybe yeah. sometimes I'm like, nah, I'm good. I'm going to go. And maybe sometimes I stick it out for the last game. Yeah. Because to be social is to give up my exact wants sometimes. Well, and that even applies like literally today. I could see during certain times of my life, if I wasn't feeling good about myself, the amount of snow outside right now would make me really <laughs> question going to any birthday events. But everybody came to mine. And oh, it, yep. 
it would be a very bad social signal for me not to return that, even if it's inconvenient. Yeah, that's, that's true. And I just got to think, what signal am I sending? Not, do I have a valid excuse? That's not what's important. It's what what am I sending? Mm-hmm. What am I telling people about their importance to me? Yeah, like, what do we owe to the people in our lives? <clears throat> you know, and not in terms of, like, money, but, like, we owe them respect. We I think we owe the people in our lives time. And not like from a, I feel like this is this is like Im- implying an obligation that's going to be unpleasant to fulfill. But I don't think we have to interpret it that way. No, it's just like people have given us their attention. They've given us love. They've given us time. Like we owe that to them as well. Yeah, you know, if we care about them. Yeah, I don't. I don't resent that obligation. It was created out of something that started good. Mm-hmm. It's a good obligation. And yeah. then, um, um. I suppose this is really applicable here, so I will say it quickly. Otherwise, it'll be weird. But also, this applies to, like, family and stuff, too. Don't, don't like, skip holidays to be convenient just because you're mm. barely busy or because something happens or because uh, you're scared of planes still. Um, I missed my Christmas in 2018. December 25th is also my stepfather's birthday, and I lost him last year. So I missed his last Christmas and birthday, and it feels pretty damn terrible anytime I accept that that's true. And I just feel like if I had just pushed a little harder, I could have found something that mm-hmm. would have let me go anyway. But I assumed, ah, uh, there will be there will be another one. There will be more time. Yeah. So, I mean, we have to get through these inconveniences because at some point, you're going to have your last Christmas, your last birthday, your last hang out playing DDR and you won't know it probably. Mm-hmm. So the, the little inconveniences, you really, really need to fight them. Yeah. It's not worth it. And I don't want to stay on that topic for too long. So I do, I do want to mention something on that. Oh, I'm fine. Because I'm fine. We, I just can't keep talking myself. At yeah. We, we have a large audience. So I, I do want to say, um, something that I believe about family. I believe there is a higher threshold of effort you should put in to improve and maintain a familial relationship. And I don't know if that's, I don't know if that higher threshold versus friends is just a result of like my chemical and DNA like feelings, but I feel that that is true. That being said, being related to somebody by blood is not an infinite excuse for allowing them to be toxic in your life. Yeah. So don't take what we're saying here, you know, overcome the inconveniences to go see family. Yeah, I would have liked a, that if I you went. You must wouldn't. go see your family, even if they <clears throat> like verbally abuse you. Because again, being related to somebody by blood is not an excuse for treating them like crap. Yeah. And there is a certain threshold. Again, I feel like, I don't know if this is just a gut feeling that is like instinct and it's not actually logical, but I feel like there is a higher threshold for the effort you should put in to improve relationships with family, to try to help somebody, you know, improve if they are acting toxic, but that does, that threshold is not infinite. Yeah. And there is a threshold and there's a certain point where it's like, yeah, we're, we're related by blood, but, we aren't family and you have chosen that, not me. Yeah, at some point there has to be a line. And and 
we can't prescribe that line to any of you, dear listeners. Yeah. But oh, and and since you mentioned that, I mean, everything. The internet is pretty toxic, so there's this whole like thing where if your family doesn't agree with your politics, you should abandon them. There's like, and I know most people don't do that, but the vocal minority on Twitter, oh yeah, seem to espouse that viewpoint anyway. I would like to point out that over the last couple of decades of me having any awareness of what values were outside of you know school, I've had several family members completely flip, including myself, to a completely new set of values. Mm-hmm. People do. Do and can change. Yeah. It's just, yeah, the threshold isn't infinite. Maybe they'll never change. Mm-hmm. But there are reasons to be a little more understanding and try to find what angle people are coming at. And often the issue is just that there's communicative problems. Yeah. And um, there would be a sense of understanding if it weren't for the buzzwords that the media mm-hmm. makes us get all mad at immediately. Yeah, and I think it's important to say that a difference of opinion, even if it's on something you feel is important, a difference of opinion is not abuse in itself. Yeah. You know, because I, and I feel like I shouldn't have to say this, but you're right. There's like a vocal minority on Twitter and social media who essentially say, or sometimes explicitly say, if your family members vote for this candidate over this candidate, they are bad and you should never talk to them again, which is... A recipe for division, if I've ever seen one. Uh, yeah, it's like if you are if you ever did something that somebody doesn't agree with, one, you can't guarantee that that person was wrong and that you were right. And two, if they were wrong, if we just tell people that they were wrong, if no matter what you did, you're exiled, life behind bars for literally the, the anything. Yeah. You're done for. We don't care about you. You're canceled. They don't have any... Uh, incentive to change mm-hmm. and then they will only hang out with people who agree with them creating an echo chamber of the viewpoint that you specifically didn't want to encourage yeah. but that you will accidentally definitely encourage yeah by isolating them yeah there's a give and take too to this there's like you know your need to um shield yourself from abuse and to take care of yourself but there's also i think like Again, if you care about people, if you love them, if your relationships are important to you, there's some amount of obligation to put an effort to yeah. help them, to see the correct point of view, or to at least understand that you may see things differently than I do, but that doesn't mean we have to hate each other. Yeah. We can we can disagree, and we can still coexist. And obviously, there's a lot of wishy-washy language in this section, because stuff gets way. hard sometimes. My mom and but... my dad, I fundamentally disagree with both of them on certain things, certain beliefs, certain principles. Still love them. Still talk to them. That's fine. Yeah. And we will never, we will never come to an agreement on those things. It just won't happen. There's, it's, there's, that's like, not like a thing in my head like, uh, if I just work hard enough, I'm going to shift their point of view. It won't happen. I've accepted it. But it doesn't mean I have to cut them out of my life or be like, you're less valuable a relationship to me because of this. It's like, no, you have a disagreement with me on this issue, but it doesn't mean we can't still have a relationship. Yeah, if, if it's like a mutual understanding, it's mm-hmm. just like, that's cool. And, and you know, crucially, it is not a disagreement that uh, results in any actual abuse, like any kind of verbal abuse or anything happening. Like, it's just differences in, you know, worldview, principle, things like that. Yeah. So... Uh-huh. 
in short, people are important and don't give up on them immediately. Yeah. Do give up on them if you have to. Yep. Yeah, there's a threshold. And again, we, we can't say what the threshold is. Yeah, I, I, I have no idea. Um, okay, so the next thing that I wanted to talk about in here was this magical Trello system that I somebody made. Oh, and Tyler Trevorin. Yeah. We have that's, that's what uh, it was. a very old episode so, of the CIG podcast. So I think that system is cool and I've used it. And I have a slightly simpler version that I created for myself using iCloud Notes, which okay. could probably be recreated in a lot of things. Mm-hmm. But I want to talk about that just because as adults, time goes by really quickly because we, we do have things to do. We are busy. Yeah. And uh, sometimes you might not even notice that it's been a couple weeks since you've talked to somebody. Everything passes so quickly. And so Tyler created a, a cool Trello system where and, – and Trello is just this – basically the Trello system is as if you had several columns on your wall of sticky notes. It's the Kanban thing. So mm-hmm. picture the first column saying January, the second column saying February – and so on. I bet you know the rest of the months, and I'm proud of you. And uh, so you'd have a sticky note for each person that you want to keep track of in your life. So you a mom, January. And then every time you talk to them or interact with them or something, up to whatever threshold you consider the minimum, you move them to the month you're currently in. Yeah. And then you can just glance and be like, hey, I haven't caught up with my grandparents in quite a while. That's – I'm going to call them. Mm-hmm. You'll know. There's visual representation. Yeah. And you can add notes, too. Oh, yeah, true. Just be like, Mom's trying to work on this thing. Follow up on that. Mm-hmm. See what that's doing in a few months. Maybe she will have done something. Maybe she'll want just some encouragement, general reminder about the project if she forgot. I think there could be other uses to this system, too. So, like, if you had a Trello board with your meaningful relationships on it, um, when you think – because this is a big one for me. I will think of something that would be great as a birthday present for somebody – Ah. And I'll say, I'll remember that when their birthday comes up That's and then their birthday starts idea. to come around and I have no clue what I was going to get them. So if you had that kind of a thing, you could just go into their car and be like, oh, hey, this person really mentioned That's, that they wanted to play Star Realms. That so is great. I'm going to buy them Star Realms for their birthday. I'm going to consider that on my iCloud version. Yeah. I didn't consider cool using that for those kind of reminders. Mm-hmm. Um, because if I were to try to go find their birthday on my Google Calendar, like... I have them on my calendar it's for like, a I reason. Don't, I, I don't, don't know their birthdays every single time. Like, I know your birthday, but I don't know, like, I don't know. Well, now I know Taylor's birthday because yeah. it's I feel like today. But <laughs> I know a bunch, but I don't click into my Google Calendar events. Yeah, I, I, same. I would be like, oh, yeah, that's coming up. I remember that. Why would I click into it? I'd have to assume that I had listed something there. Mm-hmm. But this, it seems like if you used it, it would be semi-frequently if you were yeah. keeping up. So you would have it. And Trello um, does have a calendar view, so you could even put their birthday on it, and you could use that as a oh, birthday yeah. calendar. But I like to put people's birthdays on my Google Calendar because then I will get an email. Yeah, I, I have before. I have everybody in there. I specifically like it because I wanted to get away from needing – like I basically remember probably 85% of the birthdays on my calendar, mm-hmm. and I can just text them or – you know, like it, it used to be just everybody comments on your Facebook wall because Facebook told them to do it. Yeah. And I'm just like, what? I told me to do it. I thought it was important enough specifically to list your birthday on my calendar. Yeah. I, Zuckerberg didn't want me to send you this. Yeah. He didn't want it to happen. 
and I did it anyway. <laughs> he specifically <laughs> didn't he, want me to say happy birthday. Yeah. <laughs> only only a Facebook poke. Um, and then, so my iCloud note version is a little simpler. And um, basically all I've got is a little folder on the side called social tracker with a note inside with a name for each person. And mm-hmm. every time I talk to them, I can either add a note or I just put in a space and then backspace it. And since it was most recently edited, it automatically drags them to the top. So gotcha. I don't know when the last time necessarily. Well, actually, no, it would tell me when I edited it. Well, there you go. Huh. So that's that's what I do because it's super easy and I can do it in like four seconds on my phone. Well, there you go. Sweet. Um, also, I would just like to mention that I think you've mentioned this before, but uh, from a no systems point of view, if you happen to just think of somebody you know, send them a random text. Yeah. Even if it's something stupid. Yeah, I've definitely <laughs> done that. I've just like texted them their name in all caps. I've just, I don't, I have nothing to say, but I kind of wanted to talk to them. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to say something stupid and see if they have something to talk about. Well, our friend Brandon, I, I don't know where this stupid joke came from, but I, I think we like either saw a poster for the movie Aliens Armageddon or there's like an arcade game, Aliens Armageddon, and he just pronounced it Alan's Armageddon. Yeah. And yeah. that's just been a joke for us forever. So we were at the arcade like a few nights ago and I saw they had the Alan's Armageddon arcade game. So I just took a picture of it and just texted it to him with that Alan's Armageddon in all caps. Yeah. It's just, like, it's just, it's just fun to do it's little just things. It's like, like saying, I remember you. Mm hmm. Uh, another one for me, do stuff that scares you, which often involves social things. Like maybe there's some stuff that's totally solo that scares you. Like I'm going to go do wingsuit jumping off of a cliff. But like even if even if you're getting into wingsuit flying, which is something that even I don't think I'm ever going to do because that's really dangerous. Like most people who are big wingsuit fly junkies are dead. I think it's like the most dangerous sport. But even if you're going to do oh. that you're probably going to go to like a wingsuit flying class or something. And you're going to meet other people who are into wingsuit flying and you can all accidentally fly into a cliff together. But you know, anything like for me, the big one that I think of is I wanted to learn how to sing. I was so scared to take vocal lessons, but I just buckled down and took them. Uh, And even before the first one, I was like waiting outside the door. And I think my vocal teacher was five minutes late. And I was like 99% of the way to being like, well, he's late. I I don't want to do it. And just walking away. And I'm very glad I didn't because now I've been taking lessons for over a year. Um, Not only have I improved as a singer more than I ever thought I would be able to. Like I literally thought there was a, a level I would get to and stop. And I've gone way past that. But I'm now good friends with my vocal teacher. We go to movies together sometimes. And my vocal school does like these jam nights where you can just show up on a Wednesday night in the practice room. A bunch of other students will show up. Some of the teachers show up and you just jam for two hours. That's cool. Just be like, what song do you want to sing? Uh, I want to sing um, that one song. Do you like song, barbershop somebody. quartet stuff? Yeah, it's like, yeah, something like that. Maybe you all put on leather jackets and start snapping your fingers. Yeah. I actually found it really interesting because, you know, as a musician who just makes stuff up, I'm not very used to learning songs. So I figured, oh, it must take a long time to learn songs. Um, but at the jam night I went to, like the first one, they were just like, yeah, okay, somebody name a song they want to sing. I'm like, do these people just know like every song? And I'm like, all right, uh, somebody that you used to know by, I don't know how to pronounce the guy's name, Got You or something like that. 
Got him. Got him. It's not got I him. I think it's, that's it. I think that's it. <laughs> it's it's got him. <clears throat> and so they pull it up on the laptop, and they're like, all right, okay, so that's like a, and I'm just making up chords right now because I don't know. But like, oh, it's like a D. Okay, let's go into like an F sharp. And they just figure it out. And they're not playing the specific, like, perfect melody, but they figure out the chord progression in 10 seconds, figure out the sections of the song, and then play it adequately enough that I could sing it. I was like, dang, that's actually really impressive. So, yeah, hats off to to professional musicians who know how to dissect a song and recreate it in seconds. Hear that, clowns? Tall hats off. <laughs> Tall hats off. Take them off. <laughs> and then put them in the shredder. Out of Get respect. Get rid of the hats. You don't like them. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, go do things that scare you because a lot of times they will result in you meeting a group of people who are into that thing. Yeah. And now you've met people who could potentially become friends who want to do the thing you want to do. Yeah. And you you will desensitize yourself slowly to mm-hmm. at least a portion of the anxiety that comes along with doing something yeah. like that. And if you're anything like me, you are at the same time desensitizing yourself to meeting new people because, again, introvert meeting yeah. people is uncomfortable. People are good at getting used to things. So if you just kind of struggle through many things in life you'll just get used to them and they won't feel that bad anymore so mm-hmm. like i know that if i try to bo- join a bunch of new meetups i'm gonna struggle for the first several times but after that it'll just feel normal yeah um so another small point i have in here is to make the most of small talk you can you can take the situations where you might have frequent small talk with the same people and slowly build up a little bit of a, a real connection. Mm-hmm. So I have the same hairstylist every time. I could have a different one every time. But if I choose the same person specifically, then I can actually build up like a bonus oh, friendship. True. Yeah. And um, I try to occasionally go slightly deeper into like what I would talk about with a friend, just a, just a little bit. Not, not so much that they're flooded with like, oh God, don't know you like that. Yeah. But enough that it slowly becomes more normal to just talk about what's actually going on. And mm-hmm. then, you know, she mentioned wanting to take an oil painting class. And then I put that in my calendar entry for the next haircut. So I could follow up and be like, oh, hey, did you take that? Yeah. How was that? That's and smart. Then, so I could, I'm paying attention to them too. And then I, I also recently found out a barista that I frequently get delightful drinks from produced music for an interactive Japanese folklore exhibit or something. And then we talked about shakuhachi, the Japanese bamboo flute Mm -hmm. that I happen to have one of. And basically, the people that are just providing a service to you, if you see the same people, it's not that unlikely that they're also interesting, and you just don't know that because their job isn't to interest you. Yeah. Like, those are pretty cool things that I got to talk to those two about that I could completely sidestep by Mm -hmm. just saying, thanks for the drink. Bye, machine. (laughs) I really like that idea of, uh, of adding a note from a conversation that you can follow up on the next time. That's good. Um, oh, so regarding small talk, I think you can actually get better at leading <clears throat> small talk into more interesting conversations. So, and really this just comes down to asking interesting questions that kind of spur a discussion. Uh, and one that just come to mind right now that I've asked in the past with random people is, uh, what's your favorite side character? in any movie 
Because it's not like a boring in question. Like, movie. what's your favorite movie? But like, yeah, what, what's what? Or maybe not your absolute favorite side character, but what's the first one that comes to mind? And I'll, I'll do that one too, because like asking absolutes make people kind of pause and like not think of anything. But it's like, you know, what's the side character you think of that you really like? Like maybe the lady at the desk in Monsters, Inc. who slams Mike Wazowski's fingers no, in the thing. That's a good one. She's a, Wazowski! That's a good one, but I'm going with the guy from the Goofy movie who makes the Leaning Tower of Cheesa. <laughs> I remember that. That's an interesting <laughs> side character. just makes that question really interesting. <laughs> mm-hmm. I think my favorite side character in anything is definitely Krunk from Emperor's New Groove. That is a fantastic movie. But then my second one is there's the remake of 310 to Yuma with uh, Russell Crowe and Christian Bale in the leading roles. But then Ben, I think Ben Foster is the actor's name, plays a character named Charlie Prince. And for me, Charlie Prince is the best character in the movie, but he's kind of a side character. Like he's the sidekick of, or I guess the, the, the you know, first lieutenant of uh, Russell Crowe's gang leader. But he's, I don't know, just the way he acts that character, I love it. It's great. That's a cool And also question. he has the most badass jacket. It's like this white leather jacket. I don't know, it's cool. That's fair. <laughs> I want one. <laughs> and I had this poster of him in my dorm room. It was like, it was a movie poster, but it was just like, just like this behind the back shot, like standing on train tracks with that jacket. And it was dope. Yeah, that's a really. See, like, int- I'm just gonna like think about that all like day. That and like, it's, so it's not like a super duper cliche question. What's your favorite movie? Oh, it's a Shawshank Redemption. Like, you might be able to get into a conversation on that, but I like finding a way to make the question a little bit more odd. Well, it's odd, but it's also not like too personal. Like, yeah. if you were like, "What's what's your favorite hobby?" What if my favorite hobby is super weird and I don't want to tell you a stranger? about it necessarily it's making tall hats for clowns it, i i'm my worst enemy yeah i'm the silly <laughs> haberdasher but i would is it, is it haberdasher is that the actual job title i don't know where it's a haberdashery that's probably not true i do know some words uh i'll just Are go you googling with it. it i'm just gonna go with it for now <laughs> okay um let's see I've got a couple more things. How long has this podcast been going i don't know let's like, let's feels like it's been a long it. one i have another podcast all right half an hour so Next, how can we encourage more social ambiance? That feeling that we both tend to miss from college where people are kind oh. of just always there. Yeah, Because like that, that massively increases your friendship hours, which is important. There was that one study that was like, you feel like uh, a casual friend at 50 hours, a real mm-hmm. friend at 90, a close friend at like 200 hours. Yeah. And, and they did the study to see how this would, they would work. It was really interesting. But you can't get 90 hours in real fast if you assign one hangout date once a week. Mm-hmm. It's going to take a long time. In college, it happens immediately. You have roommates. In, in regular school, you're in class with them all day, probably not paying attention, throwing things at each other. How can we do that out of school? Because that is difficult. Man, I, I have so much nostalgia for just like hanging out in the room watching our friend play video games like single player games just just being there i'm just there i'm either watching or i'm like doing my own thing but yeah just like knowing i was around people was fun yeah or we'd we'd be doing completely separate things playing separate games or people would be watching a movie i'd be wandering in and out making food because i'm not that into most movies but Mm -hmm. sometimes i'd watch it just being in a community and being like we're comfortable even when we're not talking to each other. We're just doing our own thing 
yeah. in the vicinity. And if I have a stupid comment to yell out, you're right there. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, that that definitely becomes harder because you, you you know you move out, you don't live with them, you've got schedules. And I think this is the hardest part because I like never know when to call certain people. Like if I want to call my certain family members, I'm like, but their schedule's not that reliable. I don't know when to call them. Yeah. But if I know their days off, I'll just call them. So having I suppose that's an option if people call, but that's not that frequent among I don't really call my friends, just my family at this point. Well, something that I do um and I think I'm the I'm the only person I know who does this. But I'll just be like, "Hey Martin, I'm going to like start dishonored today, but like if y'all want to come over and just like hang out, yeah, kind of you know, an open no obligation. I'm going to be playing a single player time. game, but if you want to hang out and like work on your laptop or bring your Switch, feel yeah. free. Yeah, you just send out a group text, be like, uh, I've got open friendship hours, mm-hmm. 6 to 10 p.m. tonight. Uh, you know, feel free to come over. I've got no plans, no food ideas. Maybe we'll come up with something. Maybe we won't. Yep. But that's how it would have been. Well, yesterday you know, was even before. really casual. I just sent a text. I was like, hey, everybody, tonight. 6 p.m., we're going to work on a jigsaw puzzle, and we're going to watch Baby Driver. And it's like That's low pressure. It. You're like, I'm all, I've already got my own thing to do, so mm-hmm. like, I'm fine. And it wasn't like, if hey, do you guys want to do something? Like, what do you want to do? It was like, no, I'm going to work on a jigsaw puzzle, and I'm going to watch Baby Driver. Y'all are free to join if you want. Yeah. But I'm still doing it. It's just optional. Yeah. And, and it was uh, great. Yeah, I think that that's – and I don't think it can be ever as easy as, you know, being roommates – but yeah. that's a pretty good idea, a pretty reasonable way to be able to do it mm-hmm. after school. And I do um, remember, um, I don't think I journaled this, but I, I do remember eventually like being roommates did wear on me. I was tired of having 20 plus people in my apartment at all times. I just wanted like yeah. one day a week where yeah. it was empty. That would have been nice. But now I missed the 20 plus people. Mm-hmm. Wish they were in my house six days a week. Don't know what you got um, till it's gone. Yeah. Uh, another option is like co-working spaces or coffee shops if you do make mm-hmm. acquaintances mm-hmm. there because then you're you're doing your own thing by default. This is why I love Improper City. So Improper City is this place in Denver that is, <clears throat> imagine a really, really, really big coffee shop put in like a warehousey space. So it's got tables, it's got coffee, but there's also like 50 beers on tap So, like, you can get drinks. They're open from 6 a.m. to midnight. And Mm. then there's – so it's a big open space. That's crazy. There's TVs, one of them that has a Super Nintendo set up. Um, There's, like, an upper and lower level. It is in the same building as a bouldering gym that you can go to next door. And then out back, there's, like, a common, like, area with, like, a part of it I think has, like, AstroTurf with, like, uh, like, uh, what's that beanbag toss game? Cornhole. Yeah. There's a couple food trucks. There's like a fire pit. And during the day, it's it's a place that people basically use as a free co-working space. And they even have like a phone booth room. So I think they've kind of set it up as like, this is essentially just as good as a co-working space, but it's free. You know, just come in and buy coffee and buy beer and stuff. But then, you know, as the day wears on, right around 5 p.m., usually people start to finish up their work some people are still working but it gets a little more social people start getting drinks they start hanging out it's like a place that just encourages social interaction now that's, that's and really i really cool. like it it doesn't and so there's this theory i read this uh history of starbucks 
I forget the guy who who wrote it. He's from Portland, though, as you would expect for you know history of that a coffee sense. chain. Uh, there's this theory about uh, a coffee shop is a third place. So there's this whole theory about third places. Um, one has their home and their work. And people want and yearn for a third place where they can go feel at ease. Uh, it's a place where you don't feel like you need a specific reason to be there. Like if I'm going to Walgreens, I ha- I have to have a specific reason to go to Walgreens. Otherwise, I'm going to feel weird. They're going to be like, <laughs> why is this guy like laying in the middle of the baby wipe aisle, like playing a Nintendo Switch? It's like, I- I'm looking for a third place, man. Walgreens is not it. So bars, historically, were the third place. It's like, I have home, I have work, I go to the bar, hang out with the buds. And that makes you know, it harder if you're trying to avoid alcohol specifically, which yeah. some people want to, and they're like, where am I supposed to hang out? And especially before, you know, coffee shops take took off, like back in those days, bars had a certain association reputation kind of like feel to them. Not every bar is like that, but I feel like bar culture in like the 80s, you didn't have as many options as we have now with like, you know, chill breweries where there's just like board games and people bring their families like... No, it was a little bit of a different vibe. You didn't bring your kids to the bar in yeah. most in most cases back then. And then Starbucks helped to popularize coffee shop culture. Because before Starbucks, there were coffee shops, but not very many of them. And most people just drank Folgers, which is really not good coffee. A lot of it is not even Arabica beans. It's like <laughs> uh, the other kind of or Robusta, which is much easier to grow, but terrible. Um, so Starbucks comes up. They take over the nation. Weirdly enough, they don't actually crush mom and pop coffee shops. They make them more popular. Yeah, they like they they a rising tide lifts all. The rising tide lifts Starbucks was the rising tide, and their mermaid Mm -hmm. led the charge. And so, at least if you believe the book's narrative, because I haven't dug into this much more than the book, but uh, you know the book's narrative is that uh, a mom and pop coffee shop is only going to be put out of business by a Starbucks if it's not better. I love that that. A mom and pop coffee shop pop is like that's shop. a really fun phrase. That would be a really good name for a coffee shop. Come on over to the mom and pop. Uh, but so Starbucks is thought of as the gateway <clears throat> drug into gourmet coffee culture, which it really is because Starbucks coffee is not—it's not exceptional. It's decent. Yeah, it's Starbucks consistent. Latte is that's decent. the most it important thing consistent. for me when traveling. Is like every mm-hmm. drink I order is going to taste exactly the same from yep. Oregon to Minnesota and. Mm-hmm. Well, in Minnesota, I'm doing caribou. You're going to caribou. I'm going local. But a to here, then, it's always the mm-hmm. same on the road. So, and, and this is the thing. Like, it is not necessarily all that difficult to make better coffee than Starbucks. It is, I think, with a decent amount of training and the right equipment, uh, very, very easy to make a better latte and make <clears> better <throat> espresso drinks than a, soft, than a Starbucks. Yeah, you know, if you can afford a, a good industrial grade um, espresso machine and you train your baristas correctly, they should be able to make something better than a Starbucks latte every time. So if you can do that and you can run the rest of the business, a Starbucks should only increase your customers coming in. Now, yeah. I don't know if that's always going to be the case. Like maybe Starbucks continues to, you know, gray goo the world until eventually we're all just part of the nano machines. But at least according to the book's narrative, that's how it works. So anyway, coffee shops become the new third place. And they don't have the seedy <clears throat> reputation of bars. They're a place you can come bring your laptop. They're a place you can come meet a friend so you can pitch them on your MLM scam. 
you know, whatever. Yeah, and it's like a more comfortable place to pitch an MLM. <laughs> it's a more comfortable place to talk to people um, than like if you're out in the park or something, somebody might, you know, if somebody jogging, don't interrupt the person jogging. Mm-hmm. Then maybe the person's relaxing. Maybe they're doing something. But at a coffee shop, it feels a lot more inviting yeah. to talk. It yeah, feels it like the default level of talking will be slightly higher there mm-hmm. than a lot of other locations. You might see people. So anyway, long winding story short, I see <clears throat> Improper City as a model for a new type of third place. And I think microbrewery culture has really helped this. Hmm. Because again, bars, seedy reputation. I'm not saying this of all bars, but it, it's just, you know, it's a reputational they thing. Got, they got seeds there. But breweries do not have a seedy reputation. Breweries like, seem hipster to me. They seem hipster. They're a place where you bring your dog. They're a place where you bring your kids sometimes. Bring your cat instead. They're usually big. They're open. They're airy. They're not like a a rowdy place. They're not like a dark, you know, crowded place. They're usually pretty open. Um, you know, most breweries that I've been to anyway, they're chill. And I feel like Improper City is like, all right, well, let's take that. Let's take coffee shop. Let's merge it together and let's add extra elements. Let's do food trucks. Let's do, you know, games. And it's just a place to hang out. And I would love to see more places like that start to crop up. Yeah, that seems like a really good idea. Just, I mean, I don't really have a third place right now, I don't think. I don't go anywhere. Mm-hmm. And then having that just, I'm either working or at home managing chores. Everywhere you go in those situations, there's going to be some sort of obligation hanging over your head. So, Well, you don't even have a second place. I have a one. I have one <laughs> place. It's my living room. That's also my yeah. office. So perhaps um, you need a second place. Maybe I do. And then I'll get a third one and a fourth one. Yeah, I think, you know, we humans need to oscillate between different states, no, I, different I was places, way happier in college things. walking between buildings every hour. Oh, I loved it. I love being in different locations. And then yeah. I remember the day better because each location feels like a distinct point in time. Yeah. And if I stay in one room, even if I experience a full eight hours, it later it my memory thinks, well, that was just the one time I was there. Mm-hmm. It's like I, I sorted it by location instead of time yeah it's why I, I kind of love being near downtown i don't want to live there there's a lot of inconveniences yeah but going there i can pop into one coffee shop <clears throat> do some work then i'm like oh, i want to walk over to this other coffee shop or i'm going to go run an errand or i'm going to walk to whole foods for lunch and it, it brings back a little bit of that feeling of being in college because yeah i really did love the feeling of just knowing like i'm going to be in like six different buildings today I just feel like I'm part of this big complex network instead of siloed in one yeah. room. Yeah, it's cool. And then, like, the skywalks are fun, too. Oh, the skywalk system in Des Moines is great. I think only Minneapolis has something that can rival it, and Minneapolis is bigger. Theirs is really good, too. But, uh, you know, either one is just... I don't yeah. know. I'm fascinated by complex networks of tunnels. I don't know why. I wish we had it's one It's just, here. like, a They're weird so thing. cool. Yeah, it really, it's only economical to build in a very, very wintry city. And, and Denver just isn't one. It's fun to build in every city. That's true. It would be fun to build. So, so given infinite yeah, money. Don't even, don't even make it a full thing. Make like a rope bridge that goes, <laughs> between, rope between. That goes between an open, I would love open that. wall. I would. That's amazing. I, I mean, keep maintenance on it. <laughs> no, no. It's cooler when there's no maintenance on it. That way, like, it can be like Shrek. Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> that would actually be. I would totally love what rope do you bridges want? connecting buildings what? in a warm city. That'd don't be do great. this. <laughs> be so cool <laughs> and of course like except for the road bridges are, they're on the tops of the buildings it's not like third floor none of this no you would tops. need to pass a law that 
so the, the people that want you to sign things or donate things or buy bracelets can't be on the rope bridges. Yeah, that can't be there. Because that's not fair. <laughs> that's cheating. What about like musicians though? Uh, I'm, well, you, you can, can walk I past like a, a musician. Minstrel? They're just like doing their own musicy thing and then maybe you throw them money if you want. It, yeah. If the musician is yelling at you, put money in the case. What if they sing Hear it like with a nice Do you like it? Put money in the case. I could forget then, that. That's you... less annoying to me than I don't feel that guilted. Just be like, <laughs> they sang. That's fun. Um. <laughs> <laughs> they sang their demands for my money. That makes it somehow better. That's fun. No, what I want is zip lines between the buildings. I feel like we could create a bunch of alternatives for. This could be a really cool. Let's build a, a city. Network of rope bridges. Let's build a city that looks lines, like it was built by a ten-year-old. Tarzan-style rope and swing things. It's gonna be so fun. Yeah, and of course, like safety nets. Yeah, you know. Okay. Anyway, we're designing cities now. I have one more thing. Okay. In this list, and that is because, to some extent, being alone will happen, and you can't avoid having some alone time. Mm-hmm. So I, I had a couple ideas on how to be happier alone. Because you don't have to feel lonely, necessarily. Yeah. Feeling lonely is a different thing than just being alone. Mm-hmm. And um, so an, an obvious one, meditation tends to bring me peace and a greater sense of appreciation and joy. And if I'm feeling weirdly appreciative of everything and calm, I, I don't ever feel lonely. Mm. I'm too busy experiencing wonder at the world around me, etc. cetera. Uh, if you don't like sitting meditation... I also get the same thing from walking very slowly, uh, ridiculously slowly. I would never do this in a crowd, but I've done it around gardens and parks where like the movements of each foot from heel to toe is so deliberate and smooth that I'm basically not even jostling the rest of my body. I'm not making any sound, basically. Hmm. It looks like I'm walking in slow motion, probably, um, other than I'm not doing like stupid arm movements like I'm the bionic man or something. Maybe and, you should start. But it makes me calmer and more patient. I'm just observing everything. Um, recently, I found a good quote that works pretty well to describe this, actually, by the Vietnamese Buddhist monk. And I don't speak Vietnamese, so if I butcher this name, I'm really sorry. Uh, Thich Nhat Hanh. Oh, yeah. It's a, I've seen the name a thousand times. only learned how to pronounce it maybe today. That sounds like a more authentic pronunciation than what's been in my head. Yeah, I think I've been wrong name. the whole time in my head. I've never said it out loud until I looked it up. But... The quote is, walk as if you are kissing the earth with your feet. And I think that's a pretty good description of what I'm doing. It's like I'm walking, but in a gentle way. I mean, I don't even step on ants because I'm walking so slowly. I'm paying attention to everything, and that's really useful. And Mm. outside of meditative things, I just – I think that some of the most important things in life, if not the most important things in life, are people, nature, art, and if you can find it – uh, spirituality or faith and all of those but one can be achieved and experienced alone hmm. i never feel lonely if i'm appreciating nature or meditating or making art yeah oh yeah making art big thing for me i mean i i do not get fulfillment from meditation yeah, um, I I get fulfillment from walking fast. So, I mean, we're very opposite in that way. But for making art, it's you know, I, if I'm alone, it's fine. Yeah, it's like there, there are activities you can do so that you don't feel lonely. I still feel purposeful and appreciative of things if I'm mm-hmm. doing any of those. 
Yeah, I guess, I guess as a, a an end cap to this episode, though, um, you know, as you age, as you move through the stages of life, and you move through the different points on these graphs, assuming you're you're an average, you know, you have avenues in which you can go get more social interaction, and you just have to take them. Yeah, whether yeah. it's doing something that scares you, whether it's volunteering, whether it's joining an organization, whether it's getting better at small talk, whether it is just making sure that you don't appear closed off to potential conversation. And it's easier to escape the comfort zones that you may already have if you start now. It doesn't really matter what age you are, but I moved out of my home state of Iowa largely because I wanted to make sure I didn't just kind of get so comfortable I would never leave. Because if I stay in one place too long, I won't. So if you start building the habits and pushing through the discomfort now, you might have a life of fulfilling social activity. Mm-hmm. But if you wait, who knows how long it will take you to push through the discomfort. You, you might as well just do it now. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, I think that probably about covers it, right? Yeah. Sweet. Well, once again, this is episode 289 of the College Info Geek podcast. So you can go over to cigpodcast.com slash 289 to see the show notes, including those graphs that we used to start the episode off um, and including... Oh, I, I think I mentioned earlier, but um, Tyler Jarvoran, the guy who invented your Trello system, yeah, he was on the podcast many, many years ago. I think it was like in the 40s. Yeah, that's so. that's why I couldn't like find it easily because I was like, yeah, maybe it yeah. was a podcast guest. I don't want to scroll through all of these. Uh, but we can link to that in the show notes and just note for Guillermo, our show notes guy, uh, it's Tyler Tervoren, T-E-R-V-O-O-R-E-N, I think. Hmm. If you search him on yeah. the website, the episode should come up. But I think it's like episode forty six or something like that but yeah we, we talk about that system in more detail and in, assuming his website is still up then i think there's a blog post about it hmm. about the trello system boy if not i should make a video on it or something yeah i i think the it's a good It'd idea a to keep track of decent video actually yeah i don't i may have mentioned it in my friendship video but my i feel like my older videos tended to be very listy and I'm trying now to make videos that sort of focus in on, on one thing you can do to deal with one problem. Because I think they're a little more impactful that way. Yeah. So, and I think that's going to end up meeting. I, I do videos that branch or that talk about topics I've listed in other videos, but I want to do them in more depth, you know, and make them a bit more impactful. Anyway. Uh, collegeinfogeek.com is where you can find lots more tips, tricks, hacks, and things of those nature that people on the internet like to promote. You know, we got tips and tricks. Uh, CIG Podcast, you can go to that to find the main podcast page on our website where you can figure out how to subscribe. We are on Apple Podcasts, we are on Google Podcasts, we're on Spotify, YouTube, and basically any other podcast player that you want to use. I personally use Pocket Casts, and I like it a lot, but they're Plenty of other ones out there, including free ones. Um, so you can subscribe to make sure you get new episodes when they come out, which at this point is kind of just whenever. <laughs> We're nearing the end. We're, We're we got senioritis, maybe. We have a little bit of senioritis. Maybe that's what's happening. This is inflammation of the senior. Well, this is coming out on a Monday. I think it's like we're back to Mondays, just like which Mondays? Like, I don't know. It's a surprise. We're, yeah. Actually, we're like intermittent rewards we're trying to get you addicted to looking for this podcast sometimes it's there Ooh. sometimes it's not yeah. keep pressing refreshing give Press pellet the button. give pellet where's my pellet 
This podcast will taste much better than mouse, pellet. mouse food. <laughs> Who knows? Dude, Enjoy. I, have you ever tasted a mouse pellet? I've never tasted I this haven't. podcast either. I shouldn't have said tasted. Too specific. Maybe you haven't. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I eat sound waves. I eat all kinds of sound waves. Uh, if you want to support this podcast, the best way to do it is to simply share it with a friend, let them know that you enjoy it, and maybe share your favorite episode with them so they may become a listener as well. Uh, Apple Podcasts also has a rating and review system, so if you want to go give us a five-star rating, assuming that you believe this podcast is worth five stars, then uh, that would be awesome. You could also give us a review as well, let us know what you think. And if you think this is a one-star podcast, I would um, just dial a random number on your phone and tell the person who picks up that you believe it's a one-star <laughs> podcast. I think it's the best way yeah. to express your disdain you might get my number you might get the number there's a chance yeah exactly (laughs) (laughs) anyway thank you so much for hanging out with us as always and we'll see you in the next episode thank you